Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 61 of the Money Love Podcast. So in case you missed last week's episode, we are actually in a series right now called Why We Buy. I wanted to do a couple of episodes in the month of November prior to the holiday shopping season where I help you guys understand what's really going on in our brains when it comes to spending money. And ultimately, the purpose of these episodes is to arm you with the information and the knowledge that then you can use to be a more intentional buyer rather than being an impulsive buyer this holiday season. So last week, we dove in to the psychology of what's happening in your brain when you are exposed to a sale. Now, if you haven't checked out that episode, make sure to go listen to it after this one so that you're caught up on the series. But today, what we're going to do is we are going to dive into this concept of why you buy. We're going to be talking about five primary cognitive biases that drive us to spend money. And again, really the purpose, I said this last week, but the purpose of this series is awareness, you guys. Because when you are aware with how your brain is operating, you gain a level of awareness over it that didn't exist previously. And that awareness is much more powerful than we think that it is because That awareness is what gives you the ability to watch and observe your brain in real time. And when you have that, you give yourself the opportunity to slow down and observe rather than just react in the more subconscious automatic part of your brain. Now, before we dive into the five cognitive biases that cause us to spend money, let me just define really quick what a cognitive bias is so that we're all on the same page before we dive into each. So a cognitive bias is basically an error in thinking when we are processing the information in the world around us. So I googled cognitive bias just to get a more sophisticated definition. And here's what it said. It said that a cognitive bias is a systematic pattern of deviation from norm or rationality in judgment. So it's where we create our own subjective reality from our perception of information. So it's really, we take all this information and we construct our own reality, not necessarily on objective input, but on our own unique experiences and perceptions. And that is what dictates our behavior in the world rather than logically processing the information. Now, there are various types of cognitive biases, and you've probably heard of a lot of them before. You just didn't know it was a cognitive bias. So Confirmation bias is one, negativity bias, the bandwagon and groupthink effect. Those are actually two we're going to be talking about in this episode. The sunk cost effect. Those are all cognitive biases. But really what it boils down to is that cognitive biases are all examples of where we aren't really thinking objectively and rationally based on the information in front of us, but rather we're thinking in a more biased way based on our brain interpreting the information around us through our own unique past experiences and preferences. So there are a handful of these cognitive biases that do affect us when it comes to spending money, meaning 
that we're not really thinking rationally in the situation when we're spending money. And since I am here and my purpose and I exist to help you become a more intentional spender, without further ado, we're just going to jump into what those five are. All right. So the first cognitive bias that I want to tell you about is something that is called loss aversion. Loss aversion is where a real or a potential loss is perceived as psychologically or emotionally more severe than an equivalent gain. Okay, that's the fancy definition, but really, to put it simply, loss aversion in layman's terms is FOMO, okay? It's the fear of missing out. Loss aversion means that the pain of losing something is more powerful than the thrill or the joy of gaining that same thing. Loss aversion is exactly what it sounds like. As human beings, we are wired to be averse, and averse means to be opposed to something, but we're wired to be averse to loss. And your brain, which is a survival brain, it's simply trying to keep you alive, it doesn't like losing things. Why? Because losing things means a threat to your survival. And again, that's all your primitive brain really cares about is keeping you alive. Now, like I said, your brain doesn't like losing things, but your brain especially does not like to lose money. And so with loss aversion, it's said that the psychological pain of losing something is actually twice as powerful as the joy of gaining that same resource. So let's talk about an example. It is twice as powerful psychologically to your brain to lose $100 than the excitement that you would feel if you were to gain that same $100. The most obvious example when it comes to money, when I think about loss aversion, is gambling. I don't know if you've gambled before. I actually, (laughs) fun fact about me, I love to play roulette. I could sit at a roulette table for five hours. And when I play roulette, I only play the outside. I only play black, white, even odd. So I basically have like, I know it's less than 50%, but I have a 50-50 shot of basically winning every time. So like I said, I could sit there for hours. But obviously with gambling, you're either going to walk away with either winning money or losing money. And for those of you who have gambled before, you can think back to times where you lost money and how you felt. And then when you won money and how you felt, and you will probably realize that this is true. Yes, of course, it feels good to win money, but it feels even worse when you lose money. The pain of losing that money far outweighs the wins of winning money. And so that's why I always say, and I use this rule for myself, anytime you gamble, you have to be okay with going to the table and losing whatever it is that you're starting with. Which is why when I do gamble, I only gamble with like $50 and I really just do it as a form of entertainment. But it's because when you walk away, that pain that you feel after losing psychologically is much stronger than when you win money. Now, another area of money that people think about a lot with loss aversion is investing, right? They think of the risk of investing, let's say by buying a particular stock in a company, and then perhaps after you've bought that stock, the stock price drops after you buy it, which then means, of course, you're losing money. And this loss or this fear of loss has investors act in a way that is not reasonable, it's not rational, compared to if they're just looking at the cold, hard facts and numbers, the black and white of the situation. 
And that's why investors tend to stay invested in an opportunity even when it continues to go downhill because they're holding on to that chance that it will go back up and the loss that they'll experience won't be so severe. But like I said, this is all about talking about spending money. So a lot of people don't think of loss aversion through the lens of spending money. And to me, this is where it really starts to get interesting because it's a very different way to look at loss aversion through money. And this first cognitive bias of loss aversion plays really well into what we were talking about last week with a sale. Because loss aversion is a huge driver in you being drawn into buying things that are on sale. So let's think about this. With a sale, you are presented with an opportunity to save money, right? We talked about that last week. You have the anchor price, which is the original price. So you're going to see a $50 top that's on sale for $30. And remember what we talked about, this is where your brain is naturally going to go. Your brain is going to be more focused on the money that you're potentially saving, not the money that you're going to have to spend to get the item. So your brain is going to be focused on saving that $20 instead of actually being focused on the fact that it still has to spend $30 to get the top. Now, here's where the loss aversion kicks in. The loss aversion comes into play when your brain starts to think about the potential loss of saving that money. Loss aversion is so powerful with a sale because your brain is telling you, if we don't buy this item now when it's on sale, we're going to miss out on, we're going to lose this opportunity to save this money, which is a very important and vital resource to us. Loss aversion comes into play with spending money in the fear of losing out on the opportunity to save money during a sale. And it's one of the most powerful cognitive biases out there when it comes to spending money, because again, our brains are so wired to avoid a loss. So here is where you will see this in the marketing that you consume. You'll notice that a lot of times you'll receive marketing that'll be like, don't miss out on this deal, or don't lose your chance to save, or you're going to miss out. These are all phrases and verbiages that we get all the time in emails and in ads. And this wording is not by mistake. This wording is there to trigger your loss aversion. It's to get your brain in the very primitive state of being focused on what you're going to lose out on if you don't take action. So again, your brain is focused on, oh my gosh, if I don't buy this top, I'm going to lose the opportunity to save $20 instead of really being focused on what you're going to have to exchange to get the top, the $30. Now, the irony is that by being so focused on the loss, we actually end up spending more money, resulting in a greater loss in reality, right? Do you see what I'm saying? So we're so driven to avoid the loss, so we spend the money impulsively. We buy the $50 top that's on sale for $30 because we're so focused on saving the $20, but really what's just happened is we've spent $30 impulsively right? So really going back to what we were talking about last week, did we really win here? Did we come out ahead? We saved 20, but we still spent $30. So in the moment, this loss aversion, this cognitive bias that caused us to think irrationally makes us think that we're winning because again, we're focused on what we're saving 
But really, at the end of the day, oftentimes we're not the winners. Many times we are the losers. And again, this is why planning your spending ahead of time is so important. Why having a money map, knowing where you want your money to go and the purpose that you want it to serve is so helpful and powerful. Because you can absolutely plan ahead of time to spend a certain amount on clothes every month, or you can plan to buy the top, the $30 top on sale 24 hours in advance. But that time buffer just gives your brain time to cool off and to come out of this state of doing a lot of irrational thinking, and it allows it to come back to a more controlled and purposeful state of mind. So loss aversion is the first and probably one of the most powerful cognitive biases that we face when spending money, especially when we are faced with the opportunity to save money because our brain is very focused on missing out on the opportunity to do so. So the second cognitive bias that drives us to spend a lot of money is called urgency. And urgency is a technique that marketers use to create the sense that you have to act immediately if you want to purchase this product for a certain price. So creating urgency actually helps motivate us as the customer to buy now rather than waiting to buy it later. All sales create a sense of urgency because all sales have a point in time which they're going to end. And the shorter that the time frame is, the more urgency is created and the more illogical we will act as consumers. So let's take a 24-hour flash sale. With a 24-hour flash sale, urgency is a huge driver in getting you to spend money. So here's the tricky part. Your brain is already in loss aversion mode. Your brain is already focused on losing out on the opportunity to save money. But then compounded on top of that is the urgency of time. The fact that you only have 24 hours to make this decision. And listen, marketers do this on purpose, y'all. They do not want to give you a week or a couple of days to make the purchase decision. They don't want to give you the opportunity to buy later because they want you buying now. And to do that, they add a time frame on the deal. And by doing that, it creates a sense of urgency because they know that by creating that urgency and by giving you a tight time frame to make a purchase decision, you are more likely to make an emotional, impulsive spending decision rather than a deliberate, intentional purchase decision. I've always been a believer that time brings clarity, right? And I'm not one for dragging out decisions and living in the land of indecision. That can actually be just as destructive in many ways as not giving yourself any time at all to process a decision. But I do believe that you think much more rationally and you make better decisions when you give yourself a little bit of time, right? We're always giving each other this advice. Anytime you're thinking about doing something, it's like, well, I'm just going to give myself a little bit of time and I'm going to sleep on it. And this is because time brings clarity. Time brings a calmer and cleaner thinking and decision-making process. And from that place, I just think that we make better decisions for our future selves when we give ourselves a little bit of time. But this is exactly what marketers and retailers realize about our human brains. And because of that, they don't want you to have time. So what do they do? They create urgency and they leverage that sense of urgency to get you to spend money. So some ways that you will see this in the marketing messages that you get, you'll see phrases like hurry, time is running out, or you'll see 24 hours only, 
or for a limited time only, or one hour left to snag these savings, okay? Things like that. Also, something that is really popular and incredibly effective nowadays is when you see in emails or on websites an actual countdown ticker, like a timer that's counting down that shows you exactly how much time you have left to take advantage of a deal. And seeing that clock count down and seeing that time decrease, it's a very psychologically motivating tool that gets us to take action, again, because we have a fear of missing out. So that's the second cognitive bias, urgency. It's a very, very powerful tool. All right, the third cognitive bias that drives us to spend money is scarcity. Now, scarcity in a marketing sense has to do with the availability of an item, the quantity of an item. So urgency has to do with time and scarcity has to do with quantity. And you'll see scarcity used as a sales tactic when you hear that there is a deal on an item, but only a limited quantity. I'll tell you an example. So I saw this the other day on Amazon. There's this towel warmer thing that I've had my eye on. It goes in your bathroom and you stick your towel in it while you're in the shower. And then when you get out of the shower, you have a nice warm fluffy towel. And I added it to some Amazon wish list. And I got an email from Amazon that was like, hey, this towel warmer that's on one of your wish lists is on sale. We're doing a 24-hour flash sale on it. So of course, what did I do? I went to Amazon and I was checking out the deal. Now, this is a $150 towel warmer, which I realize is not cheap, which is why I haven't bought it yet, because it's $150. But it was on sale that day for $100. First thing that kicks into my brain is the loss aversion, right? Oh my gosh, here's this deal. And if I buy it today, I can save $50. So like we talked about, my brain was really focused on what I was going to save instead of what I would have to spend. And it was very focused on me losing out on the opportunity to save that $50. I was not focused on the fact that I would still have to spend $100, but rather that if I didn't snag the deal, I'd miss out on the opportunity to save that $50. Then the urgency kicked in because the deal was only good for 24 hours. So again, forcing you to make that quick purchase decision. But then... You want to know what I noticed? Then they piled scarcity into the equation that they were only extending this deal on 5,000 units and then the deal was gone. It was going away. And not only that, but if you went to the page, the item page on Amazon, and you were looking at it, it was actually showing you in real time with this ticker counter thing how many of the 5,000 deals had been claimed and you could actually watch it climb up and up and up closer and closer to getting to that 5,000 number where all the deals have been claimed. So here's the thing. You factor in all of those things, the loss aversion, the urgency, the scarcity. And my brain was going haywire. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a great deal. It's only for 24 hours. But oh my gosh, look, 3,000 of the 5,000 have already been claimed. So honestly, this sale probably won't even last 24 hours because there's only a set amount and they're going to sell out, and then I'm not going to be able to save the $50, yada, yada, yada. It was crazy, y'all. All of these cognitive biases just piled on top of each other, and it just fritzes out your brain, and honestly, it's so effective. And that is why we have such a hard time not spending money. I'll give you another example, panic buying. We saw panic buying happening at the start of the pandemic, right? Panic buying is where we buy an unusually large amount of something 
based on a fear of low supply or a lack of supply. And that's scarcity. We are scared that we are going to run out of something. When you see panic buying, which also is starting to come back, I'm seeing with all these supply chain issues, the main psychological factor driving that panic buying is scarcity. It's fear that there's only so much and it's going to run out and you're not going to be able to get what you need or get enough of what you need. So in response to that, we throw all logic out the window and we buy a year's worth of toilet paper in one shopping trip, right? Y'all, human beings are so interesting. Like maybe it's just me, but I just find it all so fascinating how our brains give us these thought errors, these errors in thinking. And as a result, we act completely irrationally. So I'll tell you this as well. A couple episodes back, I mentioned that I'm on TikTok now, right? And I've been posting some videos. And on a lot of my videos, I'm noticing that one of the biggest fears people have that drives them to spend money is this. It's scarcity. It's people being worried about things running out of stock. So I did a video on the 24-hour rule that I talk about here on the podcast a ton. And the main response that I got from people who were challenging this rule and why it wouldn't work for them is, well, I'm just always so scared that what I'm looking to buy is just going to run out and I'm not going to be able to get the item because it's going to be out of stock. This fear that we have is a perfect example of when scarcity is at play. And like all other cognitive biases, it's a really powerful one. Now, if we slow down and we look at it rationally, most of the time things don't run out of stock. Yes, I understand sometimes they do. There are instances where it happens, but most of the time, when we're so scared of it happening, when we have this fear of things running out, it doesn't actually happen. This is also why when something comes back in stock, people immediately buy it. Like when something is out of stock and then it gets restocked and you get that notification that, hey, this thing that you wanted was out of stock, but now we have it and it's in stock. That's why people buy something so quickly after it's restocked because we are scared that it's going to run out again. That's scarcity. And I'll say this, scarcity and loss aversion pair really well together if you think about it because by knowing that there's a limited supply of something, you're in scarcity, and then the loss aversion piles on because again, your brain freaks out about losing the opportunity to buy the item. Because again, you're scared it's going to be going out of stock. You're scared that you're going to lose that opportunity to get the thing that you want to get. So when you see marketing messages that are like, only a few left in stock, only available for the next 100 customers, only two seats left at this price. Airlines do this. Have you noticed this? Like when you're buying an airline ticket and you're looking at it and you'll see under the price, it says only three seats available at this price. By the way, who even knows if that's true? Because I feel like it says that for every single flight. And it's kind of like Southwest, is that really true? Is there really only two seats left? Or are you just telling me that as a form of scarcity to get me to buy this airline ticket because I'm scared that the flight's going to sell out? Those are all examples of marketing tactics that retailers and marketers use, again, to get you to spend money. Scarcity, it's very, very powerful. All right, the fourth cognitive bias that drives us to do a lot of spending is the bandwagon effect. The bandwagon effect is where we do something primarily for the reason that other people are doing it. It's the tendency for our brain 
to conclude that something must be desirable because other people also desire it. So this is when you buy something because everyone else is buying it. You see this all the time on social media right now where people do these videos where it's like, TikTok made me buy it. Or when you see that all of your friends have the same pair of shoes, so now you think that you need the same pair of shoes. The bandwagon effect really relies on something that's called a heuristic. And a heuristic is essentially a mental shortcut. And the purpose of it is to allow us to make quick decisions. Thinking through a behavior or an idea before doing it can take a lot of time. And so what a lot of us do is we just skip that long and that laborious process of individual evaluation by relying on the decisions that other people are making. So once we perceive that something has been confirmed by others and it starts to gain popularity, we will use this heuristic, this mental shortcut to say, well, if it's good enough for her or if she likes it, then I would like it and I need it as well. The bandwagon effect is largely driven by our need to fit in, to be a part of a pack, to not be different, to not be alienated from the group. We want to know that, in a sense, we're not making decisions that are going to exile us from the tribe. Now, of course, these are not conscious thought processes that we are having. Many times when you think that you want something, we don't even slow down enough to realize that the primary factor for driving the decision is the fact that we just want to do it because everyone else is doing it and we also want to be perceived as part of the tribe. It's actually a very subconscious mental driver happening, but even though it's very subconscious and automatic, it's still there driving the purchasing decisions that you're making. And I will say, I think for women, we see the bandwagon effect most when it comes to fashion and beauty trends. And the biggest example in my mind, at least right now, because I just feel like I see them everywhere, is Golden Goose sneakers, right? I feel like I am the only person on planet Earth without a pair. But I will also acknowledge the fact that being influenced by others, especially with fashion, it's something that I've had to do a lot of intentional work on these past couple of years. Because truthfully, in the past, if I hadn't done this, I probably would have gone out and bought a pair. And this is not a jab at anybody who has a pair of Golden Goose sneakers and likes them, but they're just really not my style. I always tell you guys, make sure the value exchange is there. For a pair of Golden Goose sneakers, the value exchange would just not be there for me with my personal style, with how much I would wear them, compared to how much that they cost. But truthfully, 22-year-old Paige would have gone out and spent the money on a pair of Golden Goose pair of sneakers simply because everybody else was doing it, not because it was a purchase decision that I had evaluated that I truly wanted. So before you make a purchase, it can be really helpful to decipher what is the main driver behind why I want to buy it. Do I really want this? Like, is this really me? Or do I just want to buy this thing because everyone else is buying it? And also, I will make this point as well, going back to what we were saying about scarcity and how a lot of times you will see on websites how many people have bought something. That kind of does two things at one time. It evokes scarcity, but it also evokes the bandwagon effect, both at the same time. So it evokes scarcity in the sense that you're like, oh my gosh, there's only a few left, right? 3,000 of the 5,000 deals have been claimed. 
It's running out quick. I have to act now. But that tactic also evokes the bandwagon effect because you're like, wow, 3,000 people have already claimed this deal. There's a lot of other people out there who think that this deal is a great deal and they've bought the towel warmer. It's social proof that our brains love to see because our brains love to know that we're not alone and that we're not the only one and that other people are making the same decisions as we are. So it's both biases playing at the same time. Also, you have probably started seeing this more and more because it's getting much more popular from a marketing perspective because it is incredibly effective. But I don't know if you guys have seen this, when you're on certain websites now, you'll notice these pop-ups at the bottom of the screen that'll say like, oh, Mary from California just bought this program that you're thinking about buying. Or Mark from Boston just started a trial of such and such. Or it'll say, there are 100 people with this item in their cart. That's the bandwagon effect, y'all. These marketers giving us more social proof that other people have either made or are thinking about making the same purchase decision that you're thinking about making. And our brains love that. Our brains want to see that we're not alone. We want to have that feeling of belonging and acceptance when it comes to our purchasing decisions. And like I said, y'all, you better believe that these marketers are getting savvier and they are utilizing the bandwagon effect in their marketing and on their websites to give you that feel-good feeling when you're shopping. Okay, the fifth and final cognitive bias, which is really similar to the last one, but it's different enough to break it out separately, is called groupthink. You've probably heard of this one. Groupthink is the tendency of our brains to place value on consensus. Like I said, it's similar to the bandwagon effect, but different enough to talk about it separately. So groupthink becomes really effective in getting us to spend money when you're shopping with other people. Now, I will acknowledge that I feel like this is happening less and less in today's world with online shopping really becoming the prevalent and preferred type of shopping rather than shopping in person. But it still happens a lot, right? Like we still shop a lot with other people. And there have been studies conducted that show that when you shop with other people, rather than shopping alone, you will spend more money. And when I think about how this plays out in real life, I can totally see why that would actually be the case. Because think about what it's like when you're shopping by yourself, right? Like you might pick out a dress and you might like it, but you're still unsure. You're like, eh, I'm not really sure if this would look good on me, what I'll wear it to, if it's actually that cute, blah, blah, blah. But when you're with a friend, what happens? Your friend is there to add consensus. Your friend is like, oh my gosh, that dress is so cute. It would look amazing on you. You have to try it on. That would be perfect for that event that you have coming up. And that consensus that we get from other people while shopping, rather than just being on our own, is huge in getting you over that tipping point to actually spending the money and buying the thing. Also, reviews. Online reviews, y'all. Online reviews are a huge form of group think. You go to the reviews to build up consensus on what you're considering buying, right? We all do this. Think about it. How many times have you been on the fence about something, but then you looked at it and you go to the reviews and it has 5,000 five-star reviews and you're like, okay, people love it. I'll love it too. You buy it. Or the opposite of that. You were close to buying something and then you realize it has a lot of negative reviews or no reviews at all. This one's really interesting to me, and I do this too. 
if something that I'm considering buying doesn't have any reviews yet, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about this. And that's the bandwagon effect and groupthink both at play because you don't want to be the first or the only one, right? And that's the bandwagon effect. But you also want to see what others think about it that have bought it. You want that consensus from others prior to making your decision. You want to see that others like it or they love it. And then you will use that information from the reviews to make the conclusion that you'll like it or love it as well. So reviews on items, testimonials on things, all of those are examples of how marketers utilize groupthink to influence you to buy. All right, y'all, that is what I have for you today. The five cognitive biases that urge us to spend. I know we covered a lot, so I'm just going to give you a quick recap. So the first cognitive bias is loss aversion. In layman's terms, FOMO. It's our fear of missing out on the opportunity to save or to acquire something. Remember that this one is really powerful. Your brain is wired to avoid loss at all cost, which is why the pain of losing is twice as strong as the joy of gaining. The second bias is urgency, knowing that there's only a set amount of time to get a product or to get a deal. The third bias is scarcity, knowing that there's only a set number of items or a limited availability that potentially could run out. The fourth bias is the bandwagon effect. Again, that's our tendency to do something or to buy something because other people are buying it. If other people desire it and like it, well, I will as well. And the last and final bias is groupthink, which is our brain's desire for consensus and connectedness, which we look for when making purchasing decisions. Now, this is your homework for this episode, okay? As you go through this holiday shopping season, I want you to just start paying attention to the marketing messages that you receive. I guarantee you, you will see all of these cognitive biases at play. And I told you this last week, y'all, retailers are smarter than all of us. The marketers are smarter than all of us. They have teams of people. They spend millions upon millions of dollars just trying to understand you on a deep level so that they can manipulate you, in a sense, to spend money through utilizing all of these psychological phenomena. Now, when you know that these biases exist and you know that they're being used against you, then you can actually start to be aware of them and look out for them. I will tell you for me personally, once I started to understand this and actually bring awareness to it and pay attention to it, the basic awareness has really helped me curb a lot of impulse spending. Because in my mind, I'm like, I know what you're trying to do to me, Amazon. Okay? I know what you're up to, anthropology. I'm on to you, Sephora. And it's almost like become a challenge that I place on myself not to get sucked in. Now, I'm not perfect at all. I told y'all last week about the face serum that I got sucked into buying. It doesn't completely and 100% solve the problem, but it really does help you be the watcher of your own mind and to be more intentional with your buying choices so that you can win with your money and you can reach your full financial potential which is the entire mission here on the Money Love Podcast. So that's your homework. Just keep an eye out this holiday season. You will start to see this stuff everywhere now that you know what it is and you're actually paying attention. 
And don't worry, in coming weeks, we're going to be talking about how to mentally navigate all of these factors that we're fighting against so that you become less and less susceptible to them. But until then, have an amazing week. Please do not be shy about sharing this episode and this entire series with the women in your life who you know need to hear this and you know need this help. It truly means so much to me when you guys share the show and leave reviews. So I hope you all have an amazing week. I will see you next Tuesday. I love you all. Bye. Hey girl, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.